Oh my gosh, hi. Hi. Are you okay? Yeah, why? You said, oh my gosh, hi! But you didn't have the necessary enthusiasm. <laughs> it was like you were reading from a script, but the wrong line. You know, my part. I know. And the mic was really far away, so it didn't get the whole emphasis of, oh my gosh, hi! Hello, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Admissions Director's Lunchcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ament, Vice President of Enrollment Management at Loyola University, New Orleans. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tej Matil, Director of Enrollment Success at EnrollML. Diggy, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm busy, but I'm fine. Okay, well, it is episode number 27, middle yeah. of the season. So, uh -huh. well, uh, I'm great today. Thanks for asking. Since we're discussing what the Goodness. heck is executive functioning? If you didn't hear that title because Tej was sassy underneath I've... of it, it's what the heck is executive functioning? And we've got some great guests as always to help us out. Tiggy, do you think we need to remind folks about how the lunch guests works though? Nathan, I'd love to. Here's the thing. Each week, Nathan and I, along with our guests, uh, one influencer and one practitioner, some variations may apply, will discuss a topic that is directly related to recruitment and admission. Our hope is that by the end of your lunch hour, you, the listener, will have a good enough handle on the topic that you can implement tactics quickly, maybe even this afternoon. So who will be joining us this week to discuss what the heck is executive functioning? This week, as our influencer guest, we have Shannon Donaldson, the Assistant Director of College Counseling at Academy of the Holy Cross in Washington, D.C. And as our practitioner guest, we have Asia Wong, Director of Counseling at Loyola University, New Orleans. And I, you just get me every time. This time you put Wichita, Kansas, just to see <laughs> if I would bite. I think in the interview, you said Fargo, North Dakota. I also, hate the script. Also, this is what's even worse. I'm so embarrassed. Shannon's school is not in Washington, D.C. Remember, it's in Kensington, Maryland. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I blame you for this script. Either way, so Shannon's in Kensington, Maryland. Asia's down here in New Orleans. I think we got that straight. So let's get started. All right. Well, Tej, this is an interesting topic. Um, I mean, do you know what the heck executive functioning is? Or is that a loaded question because we already recorded these interviews? Uh, you know what? I'm much more aware of how it, it was, how is it applying specifically to admissions that I was a little unsure about when you raised the topic, but um, I am, I'm so excited to share these two conversations uh, with our listeners. I'm particularly excited when we talked with Shannon first about how are students doing with executive functioning? And then how are our admissions counselors doing with executive functioning when you see them out on the road and we're not around? That that was a fun question to pose. The reason I brought this up is because I felt it was like the buzzword of summer to 2022. Like mm -hmm. everybody was talking, we were talking a lot about it on college campuses. I'm sure our listeners heard about it from their retention colleagues or their student success colleagues. Um, I, I kept feeling like it was having different 
uh, definitions and, you know, how, and people were not using it as an excuse of why numbers weren't right or students were not being successful. But then when we decided to, when we came up with these questions to ask these guests and how it influenced and how it was affecting the admissions profession and the kind of running topic about the great resignation and why mm -hmm. young admissions counselors were being successful or not successful and the transitions they were having now that the pandemic is sliding into retirement. Um, I think that this was a really great topic to, to pose to both of these individuals. Um, Asia, I, I'm not going to spoil too much. We'll talk about it on the back end with the closing banter, but um, Asia just, I will say Asia gave a great presentation to our board, board of trustees um, back at, in March in the spring and really gave them a lowdown of what's happening on college campuses and what she has seen, at least in her role as you know, director of counseling and student health um, and what the students are not coming to college with, right? Mm -hmm. um, what experiences they're not having that they typically would have have had. And then, because the pandemic has been going on for so many years, those students are graduating and they're going into admissions <laughs> offices mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they're the tour guides or the admissions interns and they're having an effect on our staff. So um, I think the questions that we pose to them, um, both of them for these interviews, I think our listeners are going to find really fascinating and probably have a number of different examples that will hit pretty close to home. Well, Nathan, I think it's about time we heard from our guests. Are you going to do it? You're not going to leave it up to me? I forgot the rest. I just know you always say, well, I think it's time we heard from our guests. I'll finish it off. Here's our conversation with our influencer guest, Shannon Donaldson, followed by our conversation with our practitioner guest, Asia Wong. As always, we hope you enjoy these discussions and we'll see you on the other side. Well, Nathan, I am thrilled to introduce Shannon Donaldson. She is the Assistant Director of College Counseling at the Academy of the Holy Cross in Kensington, Maryland. Shannon, welcome to the LunchCast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Shannon, for the benefit of our listeners who don't know you, um, can you talk a little bit about your career trajectory and how you landed in your current role? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started out working as an admissions counselor for my alma mater, which is Loyola University in New Orleans. Um, and I did that for about two years, um, recruited all around, um, also heavily in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, which is how I ended up um, going to get my master's in higher education from the University of Maryland College Park. Um, mm -hmm. So I moved up there in 2016. Um, got my degree and continued to work for the office actually um, as a as an outside reader. And then I took a stab at the student activities route and went and worked at George Washington University, where I worked in student involvement and leadership um, and eventually in fraternity and sorority life. And then okay. I decided to, yeah, come back to my roots. And I started at the Academy of the Holy Cross doing college counseling um, in the fall of 2021. 
Got it. And I feel like I, I, the, your alma mater, it's ringing a bell. I feel like we're familiar with it. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. I can only imagine why, right? <laughs> yes. There's All four right. Loyolas. Do we need to run that down again, T? <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. One in each corner of the U.S. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, <All> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, Shannon, in your current role, uh, you work much closer with high school students than, than we do. Um, and you understand them much better than we do. When it comes to executive fun- functioning, can you help us understand where where you would say most high school students or high school seniors are at? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I want to preface this by saying that when it comes to executive function, you know, most teenagers are really kind of all over the map in terms of like developmentally where they're at. Um, I would say also that For me, it's interesting because I work at an all girls um, Catholic Mm -hmm. high school, right? So I have my baseline, you know, right now is teenage girls. (laughs) So I think, you know, when it comes to thinking about where high school students are, when it comes to those executive functioning skills, there are some that they're, they've mastered a bit better um, just in general than others, right? So the things that they're better at are like control, emotional control much better than when they were literal children, right? Um, They're working on that working memory. So sort of like how they keep information in mind while they're still using it, right? They're kind of working on that. Um, But when it comes to the sort of the pieces of of executive function, they're still really working on. I think um, a big one is that the flexible thinking. So sort of being able to adapt new information as that comes along um, on things, right? The self-monitoring, so that self-awareness piece is definitely big, um, a big piece that they're still working on. And I think, you know, some of our admissions folks are probably nodding their head <laughs> along as we, as we think about that. Um, and then when it comes to their planning and prioritizing their organization skills and just sort of having that task initiation where they actually can get started on a task, um, that really varies from person to person. Um, And I think it depends on a lot of factors, but um, those are the pieces that, you know, these young adults, these teenagers are still working on. And so I think that that's um, something for us to keep in mind as adults, right? That um, we might have be better at these skills and have them better honed. Um, But, you know, the human brain doesn't, (laughs) doesn't stop um, or doesn't fully form until right like age 25, 26. And these are 16, 17, 18 year old kids. So um, I think, you know, it's kind of, kind of thinking about it from like an air traffic control center. Like that's how you can think of executive functioning skills. And they are, have, they have like a brand new um, air traffic control center <laughs> in a sense. So mm-hmm. they're just getting used to like, how do I balance studying? And with my extracurriculars and my athletics, right? Um, how how do I get started on this task and how do I prioritize like writing an essay versus working on, you know, a science project? Um, so they're trying to get things organized, but I think what's what's sort of different right now is that these many of these teenagers are sort of came into their teenage years during COVID lockdown. And so there's a little bit of a, a pause there <laughs> where they weren't able to practice these executive function skills. And so I think, you know, just giving them some grace 
in that way and realizing that they're still working on getting things organized is something to note. But um, in general, I would say that that's where, where teenagers are at when it comes to executive function skills. So I'm going to just drill down a little bit on what you said. It relates to the pandemic, Shannon, and I'm going to go yeah. just off book here for a quick second. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So when um, so typically students are struggling with this anyway, the way you described it is that as they're trying to figure out, I love the air traffic control um, yeah. analogy, because basically what you were saying is that there's like, they're like working in a brand new air traffic control tower and they just don't right. know where everything's at right now, but the planes are still coming at them. So, yeah. <laughs> um, which is awesome, I guess, and scary all at the same time. Right. Um, <laughs> but when, then when you throw lockdown and COVID and the pandemic on top of that, um, the way that I understood it from you is they just didn't have the situational awareness and or didn't have the actual situations to practice yeah. that air traffic control. So to continue that, we'll just keep, we'll just lean into that analogy and yeah. that they, they didn't have as many planes, right? right. And they didn't have <laughs> exactly. as many, um, you know, flight patterns to navigate, but then all of a sudden, you know, post lockdown, <laughs> they were thrown into that. And then the full schedule came up. Is that, is that kind of what you were getting at in that they, yes. Were, okay. Yeah. Well said. That's absolutely what I was trying to say. Right. It's like all these, like, you know, you can get in a flight simulator, right? Or an air traffic right. control simulator, but to actually be there with the planes coming in is quite different, right? Yeah. Right, right. So then how did you see as when it came to the expectations that maybe, you know, maybe your school or you talk to colleagues at other institutions or other schools, were um, the high schools or are the high schools are they maintaining the same level of expectations as they had pre-pandemic? Are they adjusting their expectations? And the reason I'm asking you this is because yeah. we're going to get those babies in two or three years yeah. and we're getting them now, right? <laughs> on the college. Yeah. And so what do we need to do? And those are the type of discussions that we're having right now on the college side. And we're seeing retention issues and things like that. So I'm just curious as to how the schools, the high schools are modifying or adjusting if they are at all. Yeah, no, I, that's absolutely a great question. And I think, I think that's something that honestly, that, that the high school side, like we are also kind of struggling with how to, how to adapt to that because, you know, number one, all of us as like professional staff, right? Like we experienced the pandemic too, and sort of coming back into, you know, the world, quote unquote, as it was before, <laughs> Um, and what that looks like mm -hmm. now is, is difficult, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think one big change that I've noticed are social emotional counselors and those resources are being utilized a lot more. And so, you know, because we still have students who are just, I mean, some of them have been, you know, really devastated in a number of ways from, from the past two years. Um, and it's really, you know, obviously there's a spectrum to that, but I think, schools have adjusted their expectations in terms of, you know, I think using that sort of maybe like trauma-informed care, right? Where we can like look at like, okay, this student's coming in as a senior. They spent this past year in person, but mostly wearing masks for like half of it. The year before that, it was mostly virtual. So how can I, as an educator, as a teacher, meet them where they're at in that way? And I think that that's, I know, like, 
I can speak for us on the high school side. Like, it is a work in progress. It's something that we're working on. And I, I do think that, I do think that sort of expectations have been adjusted, but not necessarily in a like quantifiable way, right? It's more like, you know, giving folks a little more grace um based on where you're at and where that student is at but I think it's something that we're all going to have to collectively like high school side and college side work on together because once these students get to college you know even if they don't have those those good executive function skills like developed fully maybe you know we direct them in a more robust way toward those resources on campus because for example, most colleges have a counseling center, they have a health center, right? Like you have academic advisors, whereas on the high school side, we're doing, we're wearing five different hats, right? Like we're, mm-hmm. we're doing their scheduling, we're doing their, um, we're, you know, doing college counseling, they can go next door and go to their school counselor, right? So just making sure that they, they know that there is resources, campuses, and working more closely with those campus partners, like from admissions to like the campus life side of things, I think will be so important um, because they're, even if they don't know they need that, like they're going to need that. And their parents are going to kind of expect that you connect them with those resources, I think more so than in the past. I appreciate that. And um, I think one of the struggles we're having on the college side, and maybe you're seeing this on the high school side, is that we're we're struggling to maintain the level of service that we've had with those resources. Right. <laughs> uh, because yeah, they are yeah. being overworked. And mm-hmm. I'm, again, maybe you're seeing that on the high school side. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, like had the same staffing the same budgets that we had pre-pandemic and now <laughs> it's being taxed that much more so i i'm mm-hmm. <laughs> a little worried about the hamster wheel in those offices yeah, me too <laughs> mm-hmm. me too truly because it's you know i think obviously high school side is like more like of a microcosm of like of what's happening mm-hmm. on the university college side but you're right it's we can't I think it's going to be more difficult to move forward with the same amount of resources we have given the amount of need that now exists. Right. 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 Yeah. It's a, it's a changed landscape for sure. Uh, right. Wow. All right. Shannon, <laughs> I want to shift gears entirely to a, to a somewhat controversial question. If you're ready. <laughs> I I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked earlier that you see high school students in a way that we don't. Um, You also see our admissions counselors on the road when we are back in the office. Uh, And I know it's a more limited exposure that you have to the counselors that are doing school visits than you do, obviously, with high school students uh, that you're meeting with regularly. But from your interaction with admissions counselors, think new, younger admissions counselors on the road. Help us understand where you think they are at with their executive function. Yeah, that I love that question because it really like brings me back to my own experience as a brand new baby bird <laughs> admissions mm-hmm. counselor. Um, and I think, so I would say that, you know, usually these admissions folks who are coming in for their, for, you know, visiting our schools and doing the college of and things like that, especially when they're fresh out of, out of undergrad, mm-hmm. they're definitely Typically, they're much more developed than, you know, your average high school student, because not only have they had college experience, 
Um, but you know, they are someone who obviously has done well enough on a college campus that they can get a job either on their own or in a different one. Um, and so they do have those basic like organization and professional. Um, but I would say what's interesting here is that I think the organization is really key um, in being able to adapt quickly because, um, you know, a couple of things, right? Sometimes you have a territory that is not one that you're used to. So for example, when I was a brand new counselor in my second year, I was recruiting heavily in city. Um, and I am from Mobile, Alabama. Like I grew up in the deep South. And while I visited New York many times, going and doing college or um, sorry, high school visits, you know, at age 23 um, <laughs> and, you know, organizing that and navigating the subway system, it definitely challenged me um, in a lot of ways where I really had to adapt quickly um, and professionally. Um, so I think that's a big one, but um, I think being an admissions counselor, especially a new one is very much, you know, obviously you have your training, you can go to your, your local ACAC and do like your dry run or your conference and learn there. And you have your training at, at your institution, but a lot of it is trial by fire. And so I think that that can be a challenge and just being able to have those, um, that self-awareness and that adaptability, like the flexible thinking is really huge, but I would say, you know, working as an admissions counselor is such a great way to hone those skills and really like, develop those um, those skills like early on in your career because you are going to need them no matter what you do like moving forward in your career um, but I would say you know like professional development that focuses on those prof um, those executive functioning skills would be something that I would definitely recommend to the leadership of colleges and universities um, because while your admissions counselors and your like road warriors right do have them it's always something that is helpful to work on because it helps, it just helps make our, like everyone's jobs easier, right? Like if, since mm -hmm. we're working so closely together, high school side, college side with in students, um, I think it's just a great thing all around to, to keep honing. All right. Thank you. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shannon, if you can believe it, we have reached the final question um, or <laughs> the, the final pair of questions. We, Always yeah. like to end uh, just asking each guest uh, two questions. What are you working on next? And if anyone wants to, how can folks get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, working on next is, you know, obviously getting the, the class of 2023 prepped and ready for to go off to, you know, all of your lovely colleges and universities out there um, <laughs> <laughs> and making sure that they're prepared in a number of ways, executive function, skills included. Um but um, something that I'm personally also working on, um, I'll be working pretty soon here as an, a virtual academic coach for College Success Plan, which is um, like a business that's been in, or they've been in business for about 12 years um, and have been virtual the whole time. Um, so we work closely with college students on um, like academic coaching and like helping them to get organized and really just building up on those executive function skills um, that they can use as college students and then, you know, for the rest of their life uh, beyond that um, and really just kind of helping them navigate different systems on college campuses because whether you're first gen or not, 
um, college is its own beast and learning how to navigate that can be um, quite intimidating and quite confusing for many students. So that'll be something that I am doing this year. Um, and I'm excited to be working with college students again, in addition to my high school students. So very excited for that. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, um, you can reach me via email at sdonaldson, that's S-D-O-N-A-L-D-S-O-N at academyoftheholycross.org which is quite the mouthful. So again, that's S Donaldson at academyoftheholycross.org. Or you can reach out to me by phone. And my office number is 301-962-1279. Shannon, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Diggy. Hey, Nathan. Did you know that we are on the NACAC podcast network? Actually, I'm pretty sure you do know we're on the NACAC podcast network. Yeah. Do you need me here for this conversation? Seems I don't like know. Got I both sides. Yeah, I'm really doing it with myself here. But anyway, so I think we should promote it a little bit. And we thought we should promote it a little bit. So we went out to some of our colleagues on this podcast network and asked them if they would like to be included in some of our episodes. And just a little teaser, because we're trying to promote all of these podcasts because they're just there's some really great content out there all related to the college admissions process so i think it's time we probably hear from a little clip from one of our colleagues what do you think Diggy? i i think you've never done improv that's pretty clear Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Ellen and each episode I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips to help you get into your dream school. This season I've interviewed former admissions officers from Yale, Columbia, Dartmouth, Duke, NYU, Johns Hopkins, and more, and explored everything from the latest admissions trends to creative writing strategies for college applications. Our catalog features over 60 episodes with a new episode posted every other Monday. We're inside the admissions office. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, Teej, I'm especially excited today to welcome somebody here that's in the Loyola family to our episode number 27, talking about executive functioning. Asia Wong is the Director of Counseling at Loyola University, New Orleans, in, Lo in New Orleans, Louisiana. Asia, welcome to LunchCast. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're really happy to have you as we kind of get into this topic Um that we think is actually uh, affecting both um, students and our young professionals. But before we get into that, if you can just kind of give folks a little bit of your background and how you got to your current position at Loyola and your kind of your background and career in higher education, I think that'd be helpful for our listeners. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, my name is Asia Wong. I am a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Louisiana. 
I'm the Director of Counseling and Student Health at Loyola University, New Orleans. I've been here about nine years. Um, I really had no idea about higher ed. I, I got into higher ed when I did my internship in grad school. I started as uh, at a college counseling center at UNO and uh, really loved working with this population. I think it's really fun and interesting. It's a really good time for significant change. And so I've stayed here ever since. I currently run the counseling center, run student health, and then I also do consulting around mental health in higher ed and diversity, equity, and inclusion best practice. You are living and breathing this every day, and God bless you Correct. <laughs> yes. as you help our students and help the industry. Mm-hmm. So can you give our listeners, we're talking about executive functioning and what it actually is, because we've heard that term, um, I don't want to call it a buzzword, but we've heard that term being passed around, especially during the pandemic and the, at the end of the pandemic. Can you kind of just give our listeners like a three-minute microclass on understanding what it is, how it both is working, and how, what you're seeing on the college campus, but then also how that might be um, working in the workplace with some of our young professors? Sure. So the simplest definition I have for executive functioning is as follows. Executive function is a set of mental processes that help us connect past experience with present action. So anything around making plans, keeping track of time, time management, organization, um, being able to be present in a conversation. I think we also talk about executive functioning as, as adulting, but it's really the category of things that, um, again, allow us to connect past experience with present action. What have I learned that I need to apply to this current situation? What have I learned that enables me to organize my life better? What are the ways that I apply the lessons of the past to my present scenario? What we saw in following the pandemic, people are describing as an issue with executive functioning. Um, But what we're really looking at is more specific than that. And it is a deficit in any skill-based learning that required repetition outside of your house, Mm. right? So that's like very, very simple. Anything that you had to do many times in order to get good at it that had to occur outside of your home, most of us have not been doing for the past couple of years. And so that's where you're gonna see the deficits in executive functioning. Things like um, a, a silly example I give though, but that is accurate is there's a difference in how good of a driver you are if you've had to drive back and forth from high school every day for two years mm-hmm. versus if your parents bought you a car and were like, go to New Orleans, you know, start driving back and forth around yeah. that city. So those are the things that we're really seeing um, deficits in. And I'm gonna use that word pretty clearly. Um, and predictably, if, if you're the person who has those deficits, it's frustrating, it's irritating, you don't necessarily know that they exist because no one was telling you, hey, if you're gonna, in order for you to get good at this, 
you have to do it over and over. It was just not a part of your life for the last couple of years. You were just making an assumption, like, because mm -hmm. it was just happening. Nobody was instructing right. somebody to exactly. drive. No, you have to drive back and forth to high school yep. in order to get better yep. at driving. Is just You just drove back and forth to mm -hmm. high school. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. um, one area that I think we talk about a lot is this idea of leadership development. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't really know what meaningful opportunities there were for people to develop leadership development skills. From, from their houses, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like who, who were you leading? I certainly there's some things around like meeting management and things like that, that you might've learned during the pandemic, but things like, uh, you know, running a committee, um, getting group work done. These are all things that you are likely to have less experience or that most of us had less experience during the pandemic. Something that people got better at during the pandemic was self-directed work that you could do alone in your house. Those are, those are skill sets that people improved on. But anything that required group activity, repeated uh, activity outside of your home, those are gonna be areas where you're gonna see a little bit less facility. And that's gonna be both in your like new staff and in college applicants. Asia, I really appreciate that, especially hearing us kind of think about some of the things we're all better at after the pandemic. Because yeah. um, I, I think we're, we're all really focused on the, the deficiencies and where we kind of fell behind. But of course, necessarily, there are some areas that we, we picked up. You know, you've been around college admissions people for a while. Uh, how do you think all of this impacts the work that we're doing in college admissions, both with students and maybe with younger admissions counselors? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So the first piece is knowing this and uh, literally making a list, right? What are things that we expect people to be good at that they have no reason to be good at? Driving is a simple and silly example, but there are, are lots of other things, right? Um, I'm thinking because I'm not sure if I... Well, Nathan, I'm gonna give it and then you decide whether or not we're allowed to use it, okay? Okay, <laughs> that's totally fine, go for it. Okay, so for example, at Loyola, the beginning of uh, fall 2021, we saw a, a pretty significant bump in alcohol transports, right? Transports to hospital due to alcohol intoxication. Um, this is pretty normal at a college, but it was a, a little bit higher than we would like to see. So we did what, what you do, which is provide um, educational materials about responsible drinking behaviors, the medical amnesty policy, stuff like that, blood alcohol levels. Um, I would say normally this, this does not work. And it normally does not work because uh, the students who are drinking to excess are doing so because they want to. In 2021, it, it totally worked. Like we saw the alcohol transports go down drastically. And it worked because they were not getting overly intoxicated because they intended to, but rather because they did not know how to drink responsibly because they had not gone to keggers in high school. You know, they hadn't had prom where they maybe practiced drinking a bottle of champagne. They were going straight to, you know, bars in New Orleans and, and they didn't know how to drink. So that's like a simple example of like, how would you, how would you know what you didn't know until mm -hmm. you figure that out? 
and weren't you because I've, I've heard you tell this story before i think you actually explained this to our board of trustees and so mm -hmm. and this was very helpful for them to understand the differences um but didn't they the they just didn't know what the sensation was i heard you describe mm -hmm. it as the students called you or they they put in these different um calls to your office and they didn't know that they had had they didn't know what one drink felt like they thought they'd been drugged or something yep. right yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a again like a pretty obvious example. The the real examples in our lives and our workplaces are going to be more subtle. It's going to be things like has this person ever had an in person group interview? Have they had have they been to a, a group meeting in person? Um, what else? I, I mean, think in admissions, one of the things maybe this falls into the category you tell me, Asia, like. Mm -hmm. So at least at Loyola, we participate in the Jesuit Excellence Tours, right? Which are these consortial tours where everybody gets on a motor coach together <laughs> mm -hmm. and they go like all the different Jesuit schools travel together. I'm anticipating somebody that hasn't had to do that before or hasn't had the opportunity to interact with somebody for a long period of time. That might be a struggle for them. It's not, it wouldn't be impossible for them as a young professional, but it might be a struggle to carry on um, social relationships for an entire week. And travel from city to city on a motor coach because they didn't have those experiences mm -hmm. doing a, a tour or a sports trip or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, event planning. Um, uh -huh. Nobody knows uh -huh. how to like my my young staff don't know how to plan events. They haven't had to book a room, right? And right. And, mm -hmm. and it's important. The reason why I'm saying make the list is because if you are a more seasoned professional, and if you are expecting a return to normal you are going to be surprised and irritated and frustrated if you have those same expectations. And that's not fair. It's really right. not fair to expect someone to know how to book a room who hasn't had to do that forever, ever in their career. It's really not fair to expect someone to have the like quote unquote common sense to print out flyers when in the last two years, you weren't allowed to hand a person a piece of paper. Right. Like there were literal university policies that you could not hand out objects on campus. It's not fair to expect someone to know that there are gonna be new items in the budget that haven't been there for two years. And so for all of us who've been here for a minute, it's really about checking yourself, checking your own expectations, providing like a supportive and warm environment around those skills because people aren't stupid it's not a question of people being dumb it's a question of like oh you've never had to do this let's get you some practice asia if, if i can jump in you know it's so interesting because i think what is a little risky for us on the admissions end is a lot of those things like how to book the travel, you know, book your travel, make sure your hotel is in the right spot, you know, based on where the college fairs are. We're used to having that conversation with brand new admissions counselors, although we're out of practice too. Uh, but I think we've got folks who've been here for one, two, even three years that haven't done this yet. And we don't look at them as new folks that need to be trained in on that again. And I, I think it's important to remember that this is a skill that they haven't had to develop yet. What skills did people develop? that they wouldn't have otherwise that we can now be pitching towards. How do we, how do we work towards people's strengths? And that's you know college applicants, that's our young staff. Like what have they gotten really good at that they wouldn't, wouldn't have otherwise? Um, one of the examples I give is, is 
not unreasonable to imagine that as an incoming freshman, certainly last year, but I would say even this year, that you don't have a ton of experience, say, taking a grocery list, going to the grocery store, getting everything on that list, coming home. You might not have done that a bunch. What you may have done a lot is cooked meals for your family and gotten much better at cooking than we might expect you to be at this age. So kind of being creative, thinking outside of the box, what are the things that people got very good at that we might not expect them to? And how do we then you know, build on those strengths? I can take that one step further and even what, what their expectations would be on, for what the services are on the college campus that they can provide. Like I think somebody, if we're using the grocery store as an example, the grocery list as an example, they might be used to doing a curbside pickup, mm-hmm. right? They might be used to ordering it all on the app for, you know, whatever grocery store and then pulling into a parking spot and it's delivered and put in the back of their car. I would hazard a guess that that's not something that college campuses are doing on the regular. We certainly made some accommodations for things like that, like in the height of the pandemic, (laughs) just to get by. But some of those things maybe aren't continuing like they would be on the retail side. So would the students then have that expectation of what what do you mean you don't have that? Why can't I just go, you know, pick that up, um, pick up something to go? Or where's the, you know, where's the thing in the, in the cafeteria where I can just, you know, pick this up and they call my name or whatever else. Like, it's just, I guess, kind of the expectations of what are going to be provided to them on a college campus um, yeah. coming from what they had, right? I mean, just physically having to go places. True. Like in order to access services, like Mm -hmm. the idea that like everything wouldn't just be available remotely or via online booking, stuff like that, that you would have to have to walk to a location in order to access something, I think Mm -hmm. is is new. So I'm going to ask you the last question here and let's kind of rewind a little bit from the the students on campus or just getting adjusted to campus right now. Um, Let's talk about the students that are, you know, the seniors in high school that are right in the heart of their college search process. Um, you know, how does this affect the way, like what these students have been through and how does this gonna affect the college search process for the seniors? And I think it's very interesting um, for the students that are now in high school because they're getting, and, and my oldest son is a junior <laughs> in high school. And so he's having this real blended experience of what high school actually is. Um, so how, how is executive function, how are some of these things going to maybe adjust the college search process? Yeah. I mean, I think that depends on how we respond as a society. Right. So if, if you have a family or or parents who are aware of some of this, who are really giving their high school seniors the opportunity to do some of the things that maybe they would have, they they've missed out on, Right that's gonna be really different than if you're in an environment where people are expecting there not to be this difference in learning. Um, right. and, and, and I think that's, that's a real question for us as professionals. Again, during the pandemic, we learned to reach, we learned to outreach in a, in a very different way, like really very direct a lot of one-on-one to get those Zoom meetings. There weren't like the big fairs. and You know what I mean? Like there were just things that we stopped doing. We did a lot more high touch 
virtual hybrid. Um, and so I'm curious whether the, in terms of the search, whether the high school seniors are expecting that same kind of thing. I'm curious about what attendance will look like at some of these bigger in-person in events. Um, I'm curious about creative ways to like get in there past that sort of initial email, website, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm curious how much we will continue to need to use some of the more creative techniques that we started during the pandemic and whether those will just become standard practice moving forward. That's a big, that's the hot topic on this podcast and pretty much every conversation <laughs> I've been in with an admissions director is, you know, because for admissions director, a lot of times it comes down to you never want to jettison something because if that would get you two more kids, <laughs> you're going to keep it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we talk a lot about ROI. We talk a lot about how do you evaluate some of these, um, but I preach a lot and I talk a lot about, you know, being responsive to the student behaviors and the students are going to, the students and the families, they're going to drive the bus. They're going to, they're going to tell you what they want and what they don't want based on, um, based on their actions, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that the, the events are a really good example of, I definitely think there were a lot of schools that did in-person events last year. They brought them back. I heard a lot of stories about lots of people coming back for these in-person events, but I think it was also along it was kind of in the same vein as travel, like people that, you know, as soon as you let them free and they could travel again, then everybody traveled. And now that's kind of waning off, you know, like people are realizing they, they maybe we're not, don't need to travel quite as much. And did we kind of have a wave of that last year with the missions events? Or are we going to get back into like a hybrid? Like it's going to be so hard to predict. And I think this cycle specifically is worth watching because it's going to be more typical of the cycles moving forward, given that, you know, I've said this before, somebody told me that the pandemic is in retirement, apparently. Hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, something we did was try, try to create more sandboxes for students to practice skills that they hmm. may not have had a chance to practice during the pandemic. So we did a, like, quote, back to normal group last year that ran from August through September. It started on Zoom. It was certainly for new admits, but also for just returning students. And, and the idea was like, we start on Zoom, just like the way the world has been, and we finish in person. And we do some practice around like social skill building, interacting with other human beings, getting like managing that social anxiety and the worry, the worry piece, normalizing things you know, giving, giving students sort of judgment-free zones to feel comfortable. Okay, well, if I you can believe, go ahead. No, go I, ahead, one more. I comment. mean, the one last thing about admissions that I think is maybe interesting specific to admissions is something I think we saw was in terms, and this is in terms of executive functioning, um, people, human beings have not had the experience of having to practice something they are bad at over and over in a public setting. That's a thing that went away for the past few years. So you think about being on the cheer team and practicing that backflip and falling on your face over and over, and then looking to your right and seeing your teammate fall over, over and over, and, and that feeling okay, right? That feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so what you're getting is this weird disconnect between like your 
comfort in your like safe place, like your home, you're in your pajamas, whatever. And then the feeling that when you go out into the world, you have to present a very polished, clean, perfect version of yourself. So I'm interested in how that might impact the, the college search process um, in terms of people's ability to be a little bit more uh, open or vulnerable, I think particularly about like college essays, things like that. Sure, yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'm really glad that we decided to bring you on to the lunch cast. I knew it was going to be great after hearing you speak to that, to that board meeting. And, and I appreciate the time that you spend with us. Um, we always like to ask our guests two questions here at the end. Um, what are you working on next this fall semester? And then how can folks get in touch with you should they want to continue the conversation about executive functioning or just general mental health on a college campus, which I know is a very broad depth? Yeah, so I think what, what I'm working on next, what my team is working on next, is that piece around creating that sandbox, you know, and, and safe spaces for all of us to, to practice and play and have that feel comfortable and, and not weird at all. And that's everything from being really honest and open when we're in our first in-person meeting with our staff psychiatrist in two years and, and nobody knows the <laughs> protocols and being like kind right. of laughing about that to, to things like the back to normal group for, for our students. So that's the stuff that I've been working on that we've been working on. Um, if people want to get in touch with me, they can email me at asiawonglcsw at gmail.com. That's A-S-I-A-W-O-N-G-L-C-S-W at gmail. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> well, I think that was plenty. We really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, Asia. Thank you. Well, Nathan, that was a lot of fun. This was a, a different type of topic than we normally take on, a different type of guest as well, but it was I, I, really interesting and thought-provoking. Here's a couple of things that I want to make sure our listeners um, remembered from these interviews, because they were both very lengthy interviews. I think this episode might clock in as one of our longest, but this was an important topic. Um, Shannon was talking a lot about how the still students are still working on quite a bit of themselves, like self-monitoring, -monitor planning organization, and starting a task. But when she compared it to, she compared their thinking to an air traffic control tower, mm -hmm. I, that just really hit me of like, okay, that makes a ton of sense. They're not used to all these planes flying in at the same time. They're used to one air pattern, right? And it usually was virtual. Um, and they're just not having these different experiences. I couldn't help but compare it to my, you know, being a parent <laughs> mm -hmm. and comparing it to my own boys. But um, I just thought that was um, spectacular in trying to understand how these students and how their development has changed. It does. You know, something that really jumped out to me in the in the conversation with Asia was when she was saying things like, it's not fair to expect your your young staff to know how to book hotels and travel if they haven't done it before. Right. And it reminded me 
uh, one of my first years in admissions, I was, you know, trying to figure that out. How do you, how do you pick a hotel? How do you, how do you know where to go? Do you move every night? Or do you have a home base, et cetera? And uh, one of the newer counselors with me was just really struggling and um, talked about, specifically said, I, I'm, I'm a college educated woman. I shouldn't be struggling with this and just being very frustrated at, at not having that, that skill developed. Um, and it, it, Asia reminded me, you know, as she was talking about executive functioning loss that we've had, anything that you have to practice outside the home, you're not as good as it, good at it as you would have been had the pandemic not happened. It, it took me right back to to that conversation and thinking, you know, there's going to be a lot more situations similar to that happening in the next few years. And I think it's really going to surprise us um, because I think um, it's going to especially surprise the veterans in the office. I think when she said, um, and she kind of gave the example of how these young professionals are supposed to have this quote unquote common sense that everybody is supposed to know about. But when in reality, they haven't had these experiences, whether it's booking a hotel or well, I think what stuck out to me is when she was talking about, you know, how some of these maybe veterans in the office would think that young professionals need to have this common sense mm -hmm. and the things that they just need to know that they know. And I think it's going to surprise our admissions professionals and our admission staff um, on what these what these young professionals don't know. Um, the other example she gave, if I remember correctly, is about um, handing out flyers and she, you know, was coming at it from a student affairs background, but mm -hmm. I immediately thought of, yeah, there's probably a fair number of admissions counselors that have maybe been to a college fair, but weren't allowed to hand out travel pieces, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like they were doing like, okay, just scan that QR code um, on the corner of the table and um, don't yeah. breathe at me, you know, <laughs> stand um, back, stand back, stand back, stand back. Well, I'm here. I'm here. We're representing. We're trying to get back to normal, you know, mm -hmm. um, but now they're going to be like, yeah, I'll take this thing and fill out this contact card. And I have to put the contact card in my backpack, you know, and so it just it, things like that are going to come up, probably come mm -hmm. out of left field. The, the, that's the part that I think is uh, riskiest for us. We're, we're not used to thinking that we need to train third year professionals on how to take a contact card. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then does it need to change? Right. Mm -hmm. What is a family ex expecting at that point? Is a family going to be like contact? Why am I filling this out? Like, mm -hmm. and it's not because like, hey, you guys are old at this school and don't have new technologies. Just I actually haven't picked up a pen, and who actually was touching that pen? And you know, I it just all those little type of things. You just never know what the family's expecting, mm -hmm. um, and they're going to be drastically different. I don't care where your school is located. I don't care where you're recruiting families are all going to have different expectations and they're going to be on all the different spectrums. So. Well, this was fun, Nathan. This was fun. I'm glad we did. Aren't you glad that we did this episode that I convinced you to do this topic? Yes. Yes. You I'll give, I'm giving you the win on this one. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'll take it. Well, I'll take it when I can, because it's probably going to be the only one for another four seasons. All right. Well, that was a great episode. So as always, I'm Nathan. I'm Tej. And that was the LunchCast. Thanks, folks.
Okay, I will try. I'll say that again, that funny thing again. Nathan, I have... <laughs> repeating I have, funny stories. I have had too much coffee. <laughs> How much <laughs> coffee have you had, Diggy? So much coffee. Your stomach hurts, doesn't it? That's personal, Nathan. This is getting out of hand. I know, it always gets out of hand. Or out of your stomach. I'm not. <laughs>